0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Hey, Do we have any football fans? Like, how many football fans are just, like, waiting for football to start again? Anybody? A few of us? Okay. And uh, I tell you what, if Tom Brady plays again, my my money's on them again, I'm just saying. But, dude, the guy could be 80 and he's going to beat everybody, okay? It's just the way it works, alright? I, though, a couple years ago... Took one of my sons and I got a chance of a lifetime. And I was so excited to go to my first game ever at US Bank Stadium. Have you been there yet to US Bank Stadium? If you haven't been there, man, the place is incredible. I mean it's crazy what your tax dollars have done. And so I I walked in and I'm looking at this gorgeous place and I'm going, man, this is awesome. And we went there and I decided I was looking on StubHub.com because the normal amount of tickets was just too much I was willing to spend. And I came across the deal for us to go a few years ago and it was a game, one of the championship games, that we were playing the Saints in the playoffs. And you know this story, you maybe were there, and we're sitting nosebleeds, we're way up, I didn't care you know, you could see everything in that stadium and, and it's Keenum and it's the last ten seconds of this game. In the first half, the Vikings just destroyed the Saints and then all of a sudden the Saints, just like they do with Drew Brees every year, you know, up to the last year, uh, they just crawled their way back and crawled their way back. If you don't know football, you should know the last 10 seconds of the story because it made history. The last 10 seconds of this game, we're down and Case Keenum goes back and he's got Stefan Diggs and he's out running a route and he's the wide receiver and he gets ready and he gets ready to throw this pass to him and, and he gets it and he catches it. He dukes this uh, this defender who should have been fired because he shouldn't have messed that. And, and he runs into the end zone and Paul Allen on KFA, I'm a sports nerd, and he's just yelling he's just yelling, it's the Minnesota miracle! It's the Minnesota miracle! Ah! And I'm just freaking out in the place just exp- and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I'm looking at my son, and it's Isaac, I'm five bucks now. But Isaac is sitting next to me, and he's just mad. And I'm like, what? He's like, I wanted the Saints to win. I loved your breeze. And I'm like, ha You know, we're, we're having fun. And, and I'll tell you what, that was my first game at US Bank Stadium. I honestly don't know if I can go to another one, because can you beat that at all? I mean, come on, man, that was awesome. And if you, if you are not familiar, you're not even a football fan, just YouTube that place sometime. It was incredible. It was known as the Minnesota Miracle. And it was so awesome to watch. And how many of you as a sports fans in Minnesota have been let down before? <laughs> okay. Get a Tom Brady jersey. It'll be okay. And, 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 and so I was so let down. And I'm like, I'm thinking literally when this took place, I'm like, it's going to be called back. There's going to be offensive holding. There's going to be something. And, and it stood. And I'm going, It wasn't the catch that was the miracle. It was the fact that it didn't get called back on the Vikings. That was a miracle. You know, like we actually did something without a penalty for one game in 10 seconds. It was incredible. Well, we're talking about this series, FOMO, Fear of Missing Out. We've all missed out on stuff in our life. We've all missed out on something that maybe God has done. We talked about it last week a little bit. We're going to go more in depth today. I'll give you a great thing. Sometimes I think about this with like financial investing. How many of you, if you could go back in time—which we can't—20, 30 years ago—and there's this little company that starts called Apple. I don't know if you've heard of it before. <laughs> if you haven't, I, you don't even know what electricity is. And so, it's products that have this little—like you can't see behind my stand—but has an apple on it. And yeah, it was kind of a, you know, cool deal, a lot of a little trend they thought back in the '90s. But if you could go back in time. And just put like a thousand dollars in Apple stock, like twenty five years ago. How many of you would do that? Even if you're not even an Apple fan, you know, you're Sam, you're weird Android people. Like like you would go back and you would do it. Why? Do you know what a thousand dollars twenty years ago in Apple today would be? Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars if you just let it sit and didn't do anything. Okay, we all, maybe some of you did it, you know. But I missed out on that one. I was pretty young. I was I was in college at the time. Missed out on going back. You know, one of the other things that took place for me and one of the things I don't ever want to miss out on is stuff with my family. Amen? Yes. Amen? How many know that's more important than even church? It's not more important than God or your you know relationship with your wife or your husband, but... Then you got your kids, and that takes priority. One of my passions, and some of you know this, is I love to cook. Man, I have just been food snobbing pictures on Instagram lately. so crazy. I'm loving it. I've been stuck at home, so I need something to do while I'm laying on my butt. Well, laying on my side, not on my butt. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I had surgery on my backside. It's doing better. Got to take the packing out this week. So the, the ooze is starting to turn a new color. <laughs> Amen. So. It no longer looks like my shoes. It's actually like a little bit more like maroon. Kinda, it, it's kind of like lasagna with a little extra cottage cheese. So um, it's all I'm hungry now. And uh, love to cook. Love to cook. And I had this opportunity, I've, I've won a few awards cooking, and I got an opportunity to go try out for Master Chef. And I was so pumped to go do it. If you don't know Master Chef, it's ran by Gordon Ramsay. He gets, you know, home chefs and they compete against each other. And I was going to cook a fried pecan-crusted fried walleye stuffed with crab and a hollandaise sauce on top. That's what I wanted to make. And so they invited me to come make that. And we get. I don't know, doesn't that sound good? Yes. Who wants that or who wants lasagna now? All right. And so I'm I'm getting ready to go, and Isaac was really young, and Isaac was, man, he's making bank today, he was, uh, I think it's second or third grade, and he was playing football, he was the quarterback for our team, and the dude, dude, Isaac was just insane, he would like run through everything, we're playing our rivals Andover, and if you live in St. Francis, we are called to hate Andover, and so we are, we love them, don't worry, don't, don't get all like Christian on me here, okay, because we love our enemies, we love those in Andover, my in-laws live in Andover. <laughs> I'm offended pastor get over yourself and so we, we go and I, I decide to cancel my audition and go to this game and I tell you what man you could throw the Stefan Diggs, Diggs game away, the Vikings game away. This was the best football game I had ever seen in my entire life. It was back and forth, back and forth, tied and tied and tied. And I think it was like 32 to 32 at the end or something. Isaac gets the ball and runs in for the last touchdown and wins the game. Their team that year went undefeated. And so i tell you what, if I would have gone and even, you know, got into the show when you get on TV Master MasterChef, I would have regretted, I would have had fear of missing out on my son's game. That's where my priority is and that's where I always wanted to be is with my family and with my wife and with my kids. There's other things that I have with my kids and other things, but I'm already out 10 bucks so I'm not going to talk about theirs. Um, I think fear of missing out though doesn't always look like the way we think. It's not just about investing in stocks years ago it's not about missing good football games i would even say it's not even just about family and family events that we miss on times i think fomo happens inside of our own hearts all the time we just don't let people know because we're all vulnerable to a point but then we have walls to protect ourselves because we don't want to be just here it is and so we have to deal with our own hearts first if you missed last week, we talked about Jonah. If you're not familiar with the book of Jonah, let me get you caught up real quick. There's a dude. He's called by God to go to this city called Nineveh. God calls him and, and Jonah says, I don't want to go. I don't like them. They're like serial killers in Nineveh. He hates them. They're all these sinners. doesn't have any grace for them. And God says, no, you're going to go. Gets on a ship. Storm comes up. Jonah realizes it's God. And so the sailors on the ship toss him overboard, a giant fish, you know, we paint whales for whatever reason, we don't know what it was, swallows him, he goes into the inside of this fish. The storm stops. The sailors are just crazily, you know, disturbed because why did the storm stop when we threw this guy overboard? He's in the belly of this fish. Chapter 2, he prays and he's really just letting his heart out to God. And you get into chapter 3 of Jonah. It's a real short book. It's only four chapters. Chapter 3, you see him actually go to Nineveh. He shares and he doesn't want to and he gets there and the city gives their life to Christ. And and then we get into chapter 4. Chapter 4 is really the biggest part of one, I was setting up last week to really get into today, and so I'm going to put it on the screen. We're going to read the entire chapter. It's only eleven verses. It's really short. I'm going to whip this out real quick, and so bear with me. Read along if you want, or just close your eyes and listen, whatever you'd prefer. But here it is: Jonah chapter four. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became very angry. Because the whole city, God had compassion on them. He says, verse 2, "...he prayed to the Lord, "'Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? "'That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. "'I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, "'slow to anger and abounding in love, "'a God who relents from sending calamity. "'Now, Lord, take away my life, "'for it is better for you to die than to live.'" verse 4 but the Lord replied is it right for you to be angry verse 5 Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city there he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah and give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort and Jonah was really happy about the plant very happy about the plant just pause for a second verse 6 more happy about this stupid plant, it's a miracle, God made this plant grow out of nothing, which he does all the time, than hundreds of thousands of people being filled with grace because God had compassion on him. This is where his heart was at. Verse 7, but at dawn the next day, so after God had, you know, provided this, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered, verse when the sun rose God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint he wanted to die and said it would be better for me to die than to live but God said to Jonah is it right for you to be angry about the plant I don't know if you caught this but God didn't really talk to Jonah about what he was addressing God with what did God do he went to the root issue didn't he right away no pun intended here the root issue All right. some of you got that a little deep joke this morning Is it right for you to be angry? It is, he said. Was it right for him to be angry? Was it? Maybe, maybe not. No, it wasn't. I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Verse 10, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. I wish the story ended that way, but they add on this last part in Jonah, and it's just weird to me. And also, so many animals. So, for those that don't study like historical Hebrew writings, here's the deal. You might say, "Well, that kind of ends abruptly." Here's why. Back then, they don't have falling action in Hebrew writing. They use what's called chiasmic writing. We'll deep for a moment. All that means is that they're trying to get a point across. The main point is that Jonah's heart was not in the right place. And so they get to the end. Rather than concluding the end, they leave it open for you to interpret what God is trying to say. You'll see that in writing all the time. In fact, if you go to the book of Mark, the last chapter, verse 16, it ends very abruptly. And if you look in your book of Mark, it says a lot of manuscripts don't have this last part. In fact, some people believe it was later on added just to have closure. I don't know about you, but I love movies that leave it open-ended. My wife can't stand that. Like, have you ever seen Inception? One of my favorite movies at the end of Inception. If you haven't seen Inception, man, you got to see it because at the end of the movie, you don't know if it's reality or a dream and they leave it open-ended for you. And there's like Outless discussions online about what happened my wife can't handle that that's why it ends abruptly those for us to interpret what is it that god is speaking to us through this jonah was mad at how god operated now let's be really real and really vulnerable have you ever been mad at how god operated in your life a round of applause who's been mad at god before come on be real for those of you that have never been angry with god you really don't have a relationship with him because it's okay to be offended by God. It's okay to be angry with Him. It's okay. Sometimes my best prayers to God are me yelling at the top of my lungs in my car. But I'm just frustrated. I'm like, Lord, did you know what's going on? And God's just like, yeah, I do, dude. I do. I see it. I'm with you. I think when we can start seeing Him in every single situation that we walk through, we start to see the blessing that He has for us. Jonah had what I believe is called like reverse FOMO. He was there and he wished he wasn't. You didn't want to be there. God, you saved this entire nation. Why did you make me go? Why did you be gracious through me? Why did you use me as a prophet? Why did you have to do that? I didn't want it. Obviously, you did. You're really nice, God. But basically, I think they should all die. That's what Jonah said. God did something, though, in that town. Jonah wanted to miss out. I, I hope I would want to be there. Now, I meet chapter 4 Jonahs every day. How many have ever met a chapter 4 Jonah in your life? How many are a chapter 4 Jonah? Remember what we talked about last week at Yom Kippur? What do they say? Who remembers? What do they say after they read Jonah? What's the three words that the Jewish people say to this day at Yom Kippur? They say three words. Shout it off if you remember it. We are Jonah. They shout that. Why do they shout that? Because they're representing themselves that they can't save themselves, that they're evil, that they have evil in their hearts, and so they're waiting for God to save them. They're going, we're Jonah. We're no better than Jonah. How many have met somebody like, man, I'm so glad I don't have their story. They're like, I can't believe how messed up they are. We're all messed up. Get over it. Man, look at the sin issues they have. Look at your own. Man, I can't believe how angry they are. You probably got anger issues too. You know, and we look at people and we think they got it all figured out, or, or we we judge them in what we think is a good way, but at the same time we 're judging them we 're literally putting judgment on ourselves every single time we 're all Jonah, every single one of us. I see them every day. Some of the Jonas that I meet, they got trust issues, man. Those walls are super tight. They won't let you in, no matter how hard you try to knock. And you get the jackhammer. You're like, Do you want any relationship? Do you want vulnerability? And they're like, Nope. Been hurt. Don't want to get hurt again. I've been there. I've been that Jonah. Or you got the Jonah that's got financial issues that I meet, Pastor. I need help. I need. I'm just desperate. Now there are times where we go through stuff that, yeah, we need help and we need to be the church. But in my history of 21 years in ministry, 21 years of full-time ministry now, not one time in 21 years, I'm not saying it can't happen, this is just my experience, not one time has somebody come to me and asked for financial help who's been a tither. Not one time. I'm not saying you have to tithe this church wherever your home church is. Just try it. And I would say to this nth degree, if you've never tried the tithe, and, and I'm telling you right, God has blessed us. We have some generous people in this church. We're doing great. We don't need money right now. We don't need that. What we want is your heart for God more than anything else. And your heart will often follow where you write that check to every single time. And I would say this, test the tithe. Well, I don't believe it, Pastor Chris. I'm going to this church. Go. To that church. I don't care. But here's what I want to test you, and I'll tell you this. If you test the tithe, if you give 10% of your gross income to God, the first fruits that He calls for, and you don't see Him return that, and I'm not, I'm not preaching prosperity here, I'm preaching true biblical blessing. You don't know how that comes and how that shows. It shows many different ways. But if you don't see God do that, here's what I'll tell you we'll write your check back to you. We're all Jonah. Jonah's blamed the outward circumstances for their inward character issues. I've been Jonah. It's been a few minutes. Can I be uncomfortably real with you for a moment? Like, like can, I, can I, like, is that okay with, like, the majority of you? Yeah. Like, like, I'm going to make you uncomfortable just for re- a moment, but I need your permission. I'll tell you what, the last year and a half, has probably been the toughest part of pastoring a church I've ever been through in my life. Ever. I don't know that I've ever walked through anything harder in my life. I've never had people hurt me more in the last year and a half. I've never walked through something like this last year and a half. I'm not looking for pity. I just want you to catch this this morning. We have some people that were part of our church prior to March of 2020. Never came back. Still haven't seen him. We've reached out. And I decided I'm done reaching out. Not because I don't love them, but it's got to be God. It can't be anything else that gets a hold of their hearts. But that breaks my heart as a shepherd, as a pastor who never wants to offend or hurt anybody. And I ticked off a whole bunch of people in the last year and a half more than I ever have. 30% of pastors have quit in the last year. 30%. Okay? Why? A lot of it has to do with people's preferences that are not based on biblical principle. Are we living our life for the principle or for our stupid preference? Get over your preference. Okay? Look at the other person's point of view. Learn from it. Stop judging it. We're so quick to judge. I am too. You know, so you go back to March 2020. We were trying to hold everything together. Our internet sucked here. It's the best we can get. We can't get anybody else to come here other than Century CenturyLink. And we're doing our best. And people are like, Derek, we're having audio issues. We're having this issues. And it's like, we just want to start deleting people off the page. I'm like, do you not think we know? We're doing the best we can with who we have, running around. We're not allowed to have anybody. And then we get mandates by the government. We were doing okay, and then we got to open back up around July. And after July opened, and we're getting real uncomfortable here, we're not there yet. I didn't even know if I wanted to pastor ever again. Because the evil and the Jonah I saw come out and manifest itself, I didn't know was in us. I'm guilty. And what took place was this. All of a sudden we were able to meet again. And I was pumped. I was excited. We even planned two services. I'm going. People are going to be so excited to come back. And we had less than 30% of our church come back. And I was heartbroken because I thought, it's not about us. It's not about the bridge church. But do people just not want relationship with God? Are we we missing it? Are we doing church wrong? Like, where is it at? So Derek and I and our team and our elders, we're all praying. And, and And then we're doing okay. And then the mask mandate hit. And we went, after the mask mandate hit, we only had 20 people show up. Not my mandate. In fact, I said stupid mask from the pulpit and lost a couple because they thought I was disrespectful to the governor. I've even heard him say stupid mask, just FYI. It hurt. It really hurt. i just walked through some of the most painful stuff I have ever walked through in my life. broke my heart. I have some good friends in this church I talk to, and... And I just let it out. And they're like, man, I, I'm on that other side. Please forgive me. And, and it was a huge, huge moment that I don't even realize. And what I saw is everybody had their preference. And in the same day, I'll never forget this, the same day I get a call from somebody in the church, Pastor, i got to talk to you. I said, I don't want to put anything extra on you. I love that phrase. Because <laughs> that what that really means is I'm about to unload on you. I said, what's up? And they go, you know, I brought... Uh, somebody from my family they're not a Christian and I just wanted them to come and you know, some people in the church they're just not wearing masks and so he uh, never going to come back with me again the very same day like I think it was like a half an hour after that I get a text from somebody and it says you don't have enough faith because you're following the mandate and so I'm asking for a little grace what I'm about to say I felt as if I was damned if I do and damned if I don't That's where I was. And so where I was, now if that offended you, there's plenty of other churches you can go to. And so I put it on our elders board. I said, look. I said, I am text any person that asks me about this mask mandate stuff. I can't deal with it anymore. I'm done dealing with it. I'm giving them all of your cell phone numbers. And I have. Since that. Because we had to bear that burden as a church. But here's what got me was the fact that during that time of being told, I don't have faith, of, you know, we're, we're, what's next, we're going to be all, you know, on a train to the concentration camps. And I thought, I think we're taking this a little far. And I know some of you laugh, I laugh too, but when you're hurting, it's hard to hear those things. And honestly, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to tell you that as a church. I was hurting. I was in a really desperate spot. So I went to my wife, I shared with her shared with some friends. And I go and I went to another friend of mine who's a pastor. And I said, I just got a vent to you. And before I could even get a word out, he goes, he goes I'm quitting. I'm <laughs> like, oh. So we talked this through. Now, I'm, not, I'm no different. Please know I'm not up here judging or condemning anybody because I've been there. I've had my views. And, and I just want you to know my political views are correct. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, when somebody has an opposing view, you're wrong, but we still love you. And, and what I had to realize is I was judging, you know, and then, and then we had a couple leave because we didn't have enough people of a certain color. And that broke me. And I said, what, I said, what do you want me to do? I, I don't know how to, I love people no matter what color their skin is. You know, and I pray that we would all do that all the time, and I, I see that with our church. I've never seen anything otherwise. They say, well, we can't be a part of it anymore. So I didn't know what to do. And to be very honest, I don't know that I have a solution for you, but I'm saying this because we've all been Jonah. We've all been there. It's not just the person that we disagree with or the person that's hurt us. And I've had a lot of hurt in the last, few years, last year, more than ever. So what do we do with it? we can get bitter or we can get better. Now I wish I could say oh, I'm totally b- I don't have any bitterness. Oh, I have words with God every day. Still, his words always win and they're always comforting. But what I've realized is I've had to look at myself and go, God, what is it that you can do in me? Because the only one that's holding bitterness or unforgiveness, if it's me, I'm only affecting me. I'm not affecting another person. And so I have to deal with my hurt. I'm not here to blame anybody else. I'm not here to look at you know, their preference or anything. I have to look inward and go, God, what is it that you want to do in Chris's heart? And when I started looking like that, it was like an onion and the peel started coming off. One thing at a time, one thing at a time. And maybe Holy Spirit's speaking to you about those layers right now. I hope He is. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone, from you a heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. Isn't that a good word? Isn't that a good word? I know we got uncomfortable. You guys doing okay? Thank you for letting me get uncomfortable for a little bit. I look at this verse. I'll just leave this up here for a couple minutes. This is what God's been doing to Chris. Okay? And what I realized, and he's still doing this, now, how many of you are like me? You fight what God wants to do in you. It's all of you. It's all of us. Come on. It's all of us. And what I've realized is we're kind of like Plato. Or God wants us to be. He, you know, He's the Potter are the clay. He talks about that in the book of Jeremiah. Here's what I realized. I view my life a little bit like Plato, or my heart like Plato. And have you ever experienced? There's two different types of Plato. Okay. You know the you know the type. There's that type that you buy a brand new off the shelf. You bring it home, and there's like that extra plastic you take off off the top. You get in there, you take it out. And it's just it's just pliable and it's workable, and you can you know make weird things with it. Whatever. I'm not an artist, but it's pliable. And then you go downstairs in your crawl space, into the depths of your crawlspace, and you find that bin that's been down there for like the last 20 years. You forgot about. It. You're thinking you're going to save it for your grandkids someday and you pull it out and you take out that play-doh and you're like oh I can't wait to see this and it's like it's just like crusty and hard you know and you're like how many have tried to like add a little water to it to see if you can fix it you know (laughs) it doesn't work throw the stupid thing away it's like a dollar okay you know And, and what I realize is when we say we're Jonah when we've walked through what he walks through that happens is we're going, we have the crusty heart. We're going, God, help change my heart. And God's going, kind of waiting on you, Chris, for you to soften it. I'm waiting on you. Because right now, God's going, you're not letting me in. I want in. But you've got to walk through some forgiveness. You've got to walk through some tough stuff and get your heart right before He can work in it. Can I hear a good amen from somebody this morning? Come on. Amen. Let me give you just two points this morning that I want to close with. Number one is this. When the grass looks greener on the other side, it's time to fertilize your own grass. That's good, okay? I came up with that this week. That's good. I'll tell you what. My neighbor's grass at home, you hear my wife laugh. I don't know if you hear that online, but it is like from Jesus. It, the dude's out there every single day. He mows twice. Uh, twice a day i, I don't i don 't yeah not, not a year i don 't know what he puts on it i 'm sure it 's not legal and, and i 've never seen it being stopped water no i, I don 't know what he does, but I decide when I was getting out of surgery i 'm like I need to go for a walk. And so I get out and I'm getting ready to go for a walk and, and trying to like supposed to walk every day and it hurt in that first day to walk man it was just weird and he's sitting on the you know his little porch and I'm like I don't even like him right now because his grass looks great and mine's brown and crusty <laughs> and so I made I you know I made what I thought was a mistake I asked him I said what do you do oh man I got I got well we get this fertilizer we go in it as neighbors we buy this stuff and da 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 and he goes the trick is just water. And, and he actually walked with me. I don't even know him that well. And I'll tell you what, I was so blessed by my neighbor that day. Just, well, we had church, man, Well, we walked for a mile. We get back and and uh, I told Heather, I said, we just got to change our sprinkler because we were only watering eight minutes a day. I said, how, how often do you water each stone? He goes, 40. I'm like, I want Jesus grass too. So <laughs> we got some. <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, though. It says, all of us have also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I want to connect these dots for you. What I'm saying is, when it looks like the grass is greener in somebody else's life, in somebody else's lawn, in somebody else's relationship, in somebody else's church, in somebody else's business, in somebody else's side gig, somebody else's family, somebody else's kids, somebody else's students, whatever your sphere of influence looks like, Every time you look at that and you judge it and you go, look how good that is. You need to fertilize yours because guess what? They've had to fertilize theirs. And you know where fertilizer comes from, right? Where does fertilizer come from? You know where the best fertilizer comes from? Our poo. Human poo is like the best fertilizer. Just Google it sometime. I'm not even joking. Alright? So when you realize that their grass looks so green on the other side, take care of yours. You can't change them. You can't change their preference. You can't change where they're at. You can only change you. Okay? You cannot change what you cannot control. That's number two. You cannot change what you cannot control. Amen? That's good. I wrote that this week too. I think that's a good point. Okay? You cannot change what you can't control. Oh, <laughs> and I want to control it, man. I wish it all worked just perfectly. You know, when we talk to our teams at church, I wish everything just went without a flaw. And I could tell you, we had a lot of flaws this morning before you got here. But guess what? God's bigger than that. You know? Me and I'm not going to mention Lydia's name, but when we were talking this morning, we were like, does it really matter? Do people even notice that? No. No, and I could point out to you like 15 things in this room that are messed up right now. Don't look. This is not a highlights magazine, okay? So, if you don't know what that is, you're way too young. You cannot change what you control. So I'm dealing with all this frustration, the mask mandate stuff, figuring out how to lead a church through COVID. You know, all these pastor friends of mine are coming out with these great books, 10 ways to lead your church through COVID. Don't buy that. You've never done it either, dude. Okay? No one's done that. So I asked this question. And it's a question I want you to ask for your life. And it's this. And this might come off kind of tough for a moment. But the question is this. What's the point? What's the point? That's what Jonah was having a conversation with God about. He's going, what's the point? I knew you were going to be gracious to these Ninevites. I knew you were going to save them. Why did you send me? What's the point, Lord? And so I've had to analyze, what's the point of things we do? Like, be brutally honest with you, sometimes I wonder what the point of preaching is. Because I I hear, oh, that was a good message, Pastor. That was great. You know, and and we we have some phenomenal communicators within our church in the little cornfield. We really do. But I go, I don't care. I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't, I mean, that's great. I'm very grateful. But what I want to hear, like, throughout the week is, like, Pastor, you know what? Man, I tell you what, I fertilized my own grass this year, you know, this week. Not talking about your real grass, but the inside, your heart. You know, Pastor, man, I I tell you what, I saw life change from this, and I'm going, I don't see preaching doing that lately. And then we get together, we worship, and Lexi and our team, they did a fantastic job this morning. But I'm going, man. Is this, is this worth it? Is, is this working? Is this what God wants? Or are we like, you know, Pastor Chris, I couldn't worship today because we didn't have an electric guitar and we didn't have a guitar. Man, God forgive us if that's where we're at. Well, we just, we need to have it a certain decibel level so we can't hear the guy singing flat next to me. I don't think God cares. Well, Pastor Chris, I don't like those lyrics. Get over it. I don't think God cares about the lyrics. He cares about your heart. This is good preaching this morning. Hope you know that. Wants us, he doesn't care about the stuff he doesn't care about the guitar well Pastor Chris, I hit a wrong note so all of us hit wrong notes every day of our life and yet he's gracious to us so the point hit me, last week last week we decided to sell a bunch of our crap, we had a garage sale, we do one every year we use the proceeds to go to the state fair we have so much junk man, I don't know where it comes from we put it out, some of it was Play-Doh amen, and uh, put it out we're selling all of our stuff and this couple comes up they just start talking, and I don't know what it is. It's, just the, it's the way God wired me. I can talk to anybody, anytime, and I love it, usually. Usually. Some people drive me nuts. And so, I said, can you ri- just ignore that part? All right, no. You know it's true for all of us. You have that person that you know is coming. You're like, ah! You usually come at Thanksgiving, you're related to them. But we, this, this couple comes up they start talking, and I ask them, and they, they drove this, like, trike Harley, and so I'm asking about it, I'm like, that's so cool, and tell me about your bike, and oh, we drive to Florida, and back, well, which city do you live in, Florida, we live in this city, oh, where's that at, and and uh, we start talking to them, and, and I tell you what, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like, man, you know, pastor, and we just start, you know, like, where's your church at, and we start telling them this, and I tell you what, we just start building a relationship for an hour, they didn't sell them, I didn't sell anything, they didn't buy anything, gave them some water, in fact, they came in, I had a little awning, because it was really hot, and we have... Steps that come down, they just sat down with me. I didn't invite them to and I was like, alright, we're, we're doing this. And so we're just conversing and talking about stories and sharing. And here's what I realized, and this is what hit me. It's about relationship. It's not about me just preaching or teaching or you know, deep theological Bible study. It's not even about the perfect, beautiful keys that Lexi's playing behind me right now. It's not what it's about. It's about, it's about us doing life together. It's about us figuring that out. You know, we get to get together with a couple this week that we love, and we're, we're going to have Bible study. We're going to eat too, but we're going to have Bible study. And I'll tell you what, we love that because that to me sometimes is more church than Sunday morning is. I had more church at that garage sale than I've had at Sunday sometimes. Why? I had more church with my neighbor walking around the yard listening about his grass. That could be really wrong in the wrong context there, but please know what I'm talking about. You can't control. You can't change what you can't control. You can't change it. Let me just end with this one thought here. You know, I think often we add or we tack on a salvation part at the end of the message. Salvation is what it's all about. It's really about relationship with each other. It's one of our values if you go on our website. Our biggest does is relationship with God first. You know, I had a youth, when I was a youth pastor, and I took him out, and we went to a really fancy place, Taco Bell, and we we're sitting there, and we're having, you know, Taco Bell together. And as we're talking, he says, he, he thinks he can change at the end of his life when he passes what eternity looks like. He thinks he can change it. That, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's a postmodern mindset of young adults today where they think they're in control of what happens after eternity. And I'm going, bro, I hope that you figure that out. I hope you get there. Now, he's, he's gone down a different path, um, one that I'm you know, praying for, for him still. But I just want you to know that that's the biggest part of it is about relationship. It's not about all oh, these cool points that Pastor Chris came up or the music was awesome. It's about where are you at with Jesus? Where are you at with him? How are you doing? And then talking that out. Letting the walls come down. John chapter 15 verse 5. says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do squat. That's my version. My other version is, you can't do jack crap. You can't do nothing. You can't do anything apart from him. Well, you can try. And it looks good for a while, man. But then all of a sudden... You become dehydrated for the true living water, and that's Christ. It's the only place we can find it. Here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. We're going to put our church phone number up. And this is what we ask. We ask for a hand. We just want you to commit to Him. You've never done that before. Just type yes. We don't even need to know your name unless you want. But I tell you this. Here's the other part. If you have said yes to Him before, and you've never told us your name, we can't walk through with you that next step of a relationship, and we want to. Because in the Bible, it never really talks about people becoming converts. It talks about them becoming disciples. That's the first step in a journey with God for the rest of our life. And with your church. Amen. Amen. this alright this morning? Is this good? We, we're in a good place together. Give me, let's give a round of applause to God if we're good. We had a couple that used to attend. And every time I a new couple would come in they had this goal that they were going to take out every single new couple that walked through these doors out to eat I loved it I challenge you to do better challenge you to do better well, Pastor Chris I don't have the finances to do that I'll pay for it just tell me you take them well, Pastor Chris you don't know where I'm going I don't care go there we'll take care of it it's not about the money and about the food it's about the relationship I'll tell you what last thing I know I'm over bear with me like one more minute here because I just, this wasn't in my notes but I feel like want, I want to say this one of the hardest parts of our area, St. Francis and the surrounding area, is building relationship. And it's because many of you are working, you're, you're, you're leaving early, you're getting home late. I understand what that's like. I know what that's like. I'm here during the day because i pastor in town. There's nobody in this town during the day. It's a ghost town. So it's hard to always constantly build relationships with people. So who's that on? It's on us. So if you feel called to go, man, Pastor Chris, I want to lead a a group. I don't care if it's like a deep Bible study group. I don't care if it's like we want to write computer programs and you're all nerdy, do that. If you're like, we want to have like a shot put club, do that. Our team is tapped. And so we need you to go, man, Pastor Chris, here's what I want to do. Get behind the vision. If it's outside the vision, we're not doing it. But if it's part of the vision, and that's connecting with God, connecting with others, and it's life-giving. We'll give you some help with that. The second part is this. start building a relationship with people. Well, I just keep waiting. Nobody comes and says hi to me. Go say hi to them. Okay? Be the bigger person right now. I'm asking you as your pastor to do that. Okay? I want to hear at least from one person this week that says they did that. That's yes, your homework this week. Big homework. We pray. God, I thank you that you love us right where we're at. Even if we're Jonahs right now even if we've messed up or we have hurt or we have unforgiveness or bitterness, you still love us. You're still trying to knock on our hearts whether it's hard. But God, in your prophet Ezekiel's word this morning it said, you are the one that can give us a soft heart. And so, God, this morning, I pray for anyone here this morning that has a hardened heart, Lord, that you would soften it, that you would do what you want to in and through their lives this morning, that they can experience life and life to the fullest. That doesn't start at the end of our lives. that can start right now by that choice and that decision. And so have your way in our hearts. Have your way, God. If you're speaking to anybody this morning to, to lead something or to take somebody out for lunch or whatever that might look like, would you bless them? Would you give them the boldness, the confidence, and the courage to do that, even if it feels uncomfortable, so that we can be the example to this community of what relationship looks like. we surrender it all to you. Lord, bless people for staying a couple minutes after today. Give them that time back as we serve you through this week. We pray in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.